Hey, what's going on? It's Danny Strollowitz from At Just Nation NYC. This is Elon Frankel from At Giants Nation NYC. And you're listening to the first ever Jets Giants Rivalry Podcast. Let's get it! We are back for round two, Jets-Giants rivalry podcast. There's plenty to talk about. Yeah, so Giants, big news today as the Jets transition to their double backup quarterback, Luke Falk. The Giants are also transitioning at the quarterback position. We got Danny Dimes in the house for bu- for the Bucks next week, and we have plenty to talk about that. We'll get to the Giants losing 28-14 to to the Bills, and we'll get to the Cleveland Browns beating the Jets 23-3. We have Alex Varello from at New York Jet Life 24 on Twitter. He's going to discuss all things Jets. And we have Jacob Berry from at Big Blue Network with us to discuss all things Giants. Round two, let's get it. First thing, we're going to start off with the Giants. We're joined with Jacob Berry. Say what is up? up? Thank you for having me on the show. And Elon, we're going to start. I wanted to mention Saquon Barkley's opening drive. Talk to you yeah. about that. So, Giants fall to 0-2 for the third season in a row, fifth time in six seasons, and Jacob and I were actually at the game together. It's true. And as soon as we got there, we see opening drive, Giants receive kickoff, Saquon Bar- Giants drive with the field, Eli Manning, Saquon Barkley gets a 27-yard touchdown. So, this happened in the Cowboys game, right? Right, so it's actually very interesting that in the first two games of the season, in the first two drives that the Giants have had, they've looked basically flawless. It's a very interesting thing that they went from flawless to just hot garbage over an entire drive. So the question really is, like, why? How come the starting drive, they always start off so well? Do you guys have any opinions on why that might be a thing? Yeah, so the coaching looks like they're calling great plays that when the defense doesn't know the plays yet, they are getting fooled. But as the game progresses, they become more predictable as they call the plays, and then they're able to stop the Giants throughout the rest of the game except for that first drive. One thing I don't get is Saquon Barkley should be a workhorse back. He has 18 carries. Yeah, he has less than 25 touches the last two games. That's, but maybe that's what's, maybe that's not maybe that's the problem with what's happening afterwards. Meaning the first drive, right? Saquon dominated, right? In the first two, the first drive of this game, the first drive of the last game, right? And then they go to him, but they don't seem to go to him like like treat him like a workhorse back. 18 carries is not. No, no one's yeah. Like, so you know, it's game crazy. progression. It's as the game goes on, we're down points, and then we start Wait, throwing I just, more. I just want to add. I mean, Saquon, look, eighteen carries. Obviously, uh, first of all, that's not bad. People always talk about like I want to run. Yeah, but he's Saquon Barkley. He's I, not, no, no, no. Let me explain. Not getting hurt. I'm saying people always talk about they want to running back with only twenty carries a game. Last year, out of every running back in the league, Ezekiel Elliott was the only running back who actually was receiving twenty carries a game. The the question is about touches. How much a running back and the how many in in the modern NFL running backs are receiving a lot more. So the question isn't really carries, it's touches. Because Kamara's getting only around 12 yeah, carries a game. Yeah, he only had three receptions. So I'm saying 21 touches 21. for your workhorse back definitely isn't that bad. Now, the first game was very brutal. Not good. There was no reason that he should only be getting 15 touches. However, 20 touches against the Bills, that's not necessarily something to be compl- complaining about. What I want to touch on is what you mentioned before, actually, how the game, when the game starts breaking down, they're bad. So that's what I want to talk about, because it's very interesting. The, the beginning of games are, are usually very scripted. Like the opening drive, maybe even the second and third drive, those are very scripted plays at the call. And, I, and it's actually, when you look at Pat Shermer, right? You look at, even in the preseason with Daniel Jones, 
he's, he, he can sometimes be very good at keeping the quarterback comfortable with his play calls. When you look at Daniel Jones in the preseason, he was very careful on the specific play calls that he was calling to make Daniel Jones look as comfortable and good as possible. And I think he did the exact same thing with Eli these first few weeks. The first drive, and it was very scripted, Eli played very well, and the offense looked on point. And at the, the same problem, time, same time, he ends up with a 62.3 pass rating. I know. Again. I'm saying, so I'm saying, as the game breaks down, once the script goes away, I think Shermer gets lost, and his play calls become extremely predictable, and he needs to be a lot more creative and adapt a lot better to the game. So it's very interesting, because his, his initial play calls and the way that he will call the offense isn't good, but Shermer's problem is as the game will go on, can't hide, he will get very predictable. You can't hide Eli Manning for that long. No, you can't. That's why the first, you know, they they kind of, you know, hide him a little bit, and then he shows, yeah, I'm Eli Manning. Yeah, so so that's, that's the out. offensive side. Wait, so that with actually we can trend, that can bring us to Daniel Jones. What do you guys think of Daniel Jones this week? What do you expect out of him? Yeah, so Daniel Jones announced that he's going to start against the Bucks. So, I mean, first off, I want to say. I think this is actually a very good game to start him in because he's he's going into a very nice, easy game. He's playing against a Bucks defense that's very bad, so that's a very good way for him to start off. Uh, unfortunately, he's not going to have Golden Tate, which is actually a big loss for him. But he will still have, I think, Sterling Shepard is coming back from his concussion this week. He's still going to have Evan sure, Ingram. Sure. He's still going to have Saquon. And but one of the good sides of the Giants last week, the O line actually looked okay. They were consistent. They were like the only thing consistent. The O line was consistently but, giving him time to throw. But wouldn't you think that they should wait till like week five where Slayton would be back, Tate would be back, Shepard would be completely healthy. We'll have absolute weapons in, except for Cody Core right now and Latimer and Benny Fowler and Evan Ingram. They're, those are his targets right now. Oh, so I'm, you're, you're right that he doesn't necessarily have the weapons that he should right now, but in my opinion... This is totally serviceable for him. Really, the only weapon he would gain if he started another week from now would be Golden Tate. Then Darius Slayton. He had chemistry with Darius Slayton. Yeah, but is Darius Slayton really like a receiver? Like, is Darius Slayton really someone that you say, "Oh, Daniel Jones is Darius Slayton. Now he's going to do better." So at least surround him so he for success. But I'm saying for success wise, he still has a top two running back. In my opinion, the best running back. It could be argued a top three running back in the league. He still has a top five tight end in the league he's throwing the ball to. And he still has a very good slot receiver in Sterling Shepard he can throw the ball to with a very solid O-line trying to keep him from getting destroyed. So I think that, yes, he doesn't have the best weapons. I think he has serviceable enough weapons. And starting him against an awful Tampa Bay secondary and defense overall isn't that bad of a start for him. Now, I think the reason the Giants did this is just because they had enough with Eli. Again, as you said, they fell to 0-2. Three seasons in a row. This is the third season where they've fallen 0 2. They want to get out of this slump. Now, I don't necessarily think they can make the playoffs, but as an NFL team, you need to think you're able to. So they think that Daniel Jones is able to win them games right now, and this would be a good game for him to start off. Yeah, so I, I think it's crazy. We go from the beginning of the season, we draft Daniel Jones, and Gettleman says, he, tell, he tells the reporters that he hopes that Eli could play for another two years and Daniel Jones would stay behind him for two years, have a Pat Mahomes system, have Pat Mahomes with Alex Smith. Have a Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Right, they mentioned Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. That was very yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and then as soon as week two hit, week two hits, they go, they drop to zero and two, and now the third week, they said two years. Now we're do- mentioning three weeks, and we're ready putting him in. I feel like we just went just from extreme to extreme. Right. So I don't think Giants fans really appreciate Gettleman's close, like not closeness, closeness. Like he. He let very few leak. He was very openly confusing on purpose, in my opinion, about when Daniel Jones would start. Because I honestly think he didn't know. I think he was just trying to keep it very broad. That's a good point, because Eli Manning is clearly done. Right, I'm saying... There's no... The, everyone, got nothing left. Everyone knew that Daniel was from better nothing. than Eli from the beginning. But I think, I think from the Giants' perspective, the reason Eli started over Daniel Jones to begin the season is because, one, A, 
once you put Daniel Jones in, you can't take him out. Like once he's in, he's now your locked in starter for the rest of the year. It would just be it would be embarrassing of a franchise if they take him out and bench him for Eli, right? So also, I think, also now that they see that the O line is consistent and could protect the quarterback, that will help Daniel Jones. That would help. So I'm saying a. Now you, you know that you, you confirmed to the fans Eli is trash. Daniel is clearly better. You, they made the fans hungry and savvy for Daniel. That's A. Anything but Eli. Right. Pretty much. B, they, Eli, I mean, it's hard to remember now, but Eli was a great quarterback for this franchise. Obviously brought two Super Bowls, top 10 all-time in passing yards, top 10 all-time in passing touchdowns over his, what, 17 years with this franchise? So, yes, it's hard to remember now, but Eli did a lot for this franchise, so you have to be classy to him. You have to just let him start off the season, let him lose that job, because it's not necessarily like we were going to go 11-5 and five in the season. We were expected to be bad, so just give him the job. That's B. And C, I think that they, they let Eli start as like a litmus test for the team. They don't want to just throw Daniel Jones into hell. They just want to start off with Eli, see how it goes. If it's going well, you can keep him in there. If it's going bad, now we know the weaknesses of the, of the offense and the defense. We know he can try the game plan with Jones. We can know what we can build around. So I think they, they started off with Eli to try to know what they're about to put Jones into. Because you don't really know what your offense is like until you start the season. Yeah, so that was the offensive side. Let's, let's move more to the defense. So once again, our secondary was absolute garbage against the Cowboys. Gallup, Cooper, Cobb tore up. And now this time, former Cowboy... Cole Beasley and John Brown, they tear up the secondary. One play, one play that stood out to me, first and 20, Cole Beasley wide open 40 yards down the field. Yeah, there was, never there was no one like here. Antoine Bethea right. was not there. De- he was probably Baker, confused. Their defense, their defense their, honestly, their secondary just looks confused. I think it's it's a coaching problem, if anything. Obviously, they're not the most talented secondary. But it's not the most talented. It's it's they're they're all rookies except for Bethay, right? Who's and like and Jenkins. But you know what? Jenkins is playing god awful. We were both at the game. How many times were we upset at, at Baker for yeah. just not picking up a receiver? Yeah, he's a, he's a rookie. It's a, and it's a second game. But you there's know, a point. There's a point where you're like, oh no, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous. Okay, so nervous. he gave up. Okay, he didn't give up one touchdown in his last college there's, season. No, look, he's an awesome prospect, and you can only say it to an extent. You can't just say you, you know, he's a rookie every no, no, single he, time. He, he looked right. like he shouldn't be there. Forget about he's a rookie; he shouldn't be there. Look, he's a, he was an excellent prospect coming out of college. I was very happy with the pick at the time. Obviously, my opinion can't just change because of two games, but I'm just saying there is room to be nervous about DeAndre Baker right now, just because of how garbage he looks as a cornerback through his first two games in the NFL. And obviously, he can turn it around. It's only been two and games. Having, and having no pass rush. Right. Yeah, they did the three sacks. Yeah, having, but, speaking but of, by, speaking, Hill, speaking of the pass and, rush, they're getting nothing. And it's affecting, I think, cornerback, not corner, secondaries and pass rushes, in my opinion, are yeah, a symbiotic relationship, right? The pass rush, if it pressures the quarterback, it can make the, it can make the cornerbacks look better. And if the cornerbacks are constantly taking the receivers, it can make the pass rush better because they have more time. Yeah, no pass rush, and then the quarterback has too much time, and the secondary can't take the wide right. receivers that long. But the problem, like, the problem is, we mentioned no pass rush. In the game, there was plenty of plays where Josh Allen would roll out left, or Josh Allen would roll out right. And the secondary would just break down. If you give them more than, th- if you Josh give them, Josh Allen was walking down. The Josh field. Allen, just like against the Jets right, at the end of the game. Right. So Josh the Allen, there was many plays. I remember there was a third and five specifically where he would roll out to the right and he would just hit a receiver wide open. If you ask the secondary to hold on to any wide receiver for more than four seconds, three seconds or two seconds, they can't do it. So obviously four seconds, they can't do it. People are just wide open down the field. And if Josh Allen creates just wide an ounce open. of time. The, the secondary can't do anything, and that's on not yeah. only the secondary but the pass rush. Jets fans were getting tortured all week, but you could see that this Bills team. 
I'm not gonna say they're good. They did play the Jets and the Giants, but they're not they're not walked. Yeah, they just won the battle in New York. But it's not it's not only the secondary and the pass rush. It's also the run defense. We gave up one touchdown to Gore. We gave up one touchdown to Singletary, mm-hmm. and Josh Allen ran one in. Right. So We're getting torched on the on the ground also. And, and it's it's honestly it's also concerning because they drafted Dexter Lawrence to be this run stopping nose tackle basically. And all he anchor, did that game is get a penalty. Can anchor this run defense and Dexter Lawrence obviously it's kind of hard to watch the like a, a run a nose tackle is not that flashy. But if you're gonna draft Dexter Lawrence over Sweat and try to make him the cornerstone of that entire front seven basically and try to make him that run stopping nose tackle that you can build around, I want to see Dexter Lawrence at least have a solid run defense around him. I want to see Dexter Lawrence anchor something down and actually make some plays. And I'm just not seeing that from him right now. I'm not seeing that from any of the Giants rookies that they drafted. Yeah, so the whole game, Dexter Lawrence is nothing on the ground. There comes a field goal. It's 21-14 in the game. Maybe we could just keep it at a 10-point game. The Bills come out for field goal. Hauschka is about to kick it. And Dexter Lawrence ramps the center, gets a penalty. They make it 28-14. We lose control of the game. Two-possession game, and that was the end. So that's the Giants game. Right. So just to conclude, the Giants need to be better. <laughs> that's it. It's all around. No, it's coaching. It's a all lot around. of coaching on the offensive side. It's a good luck, running... Daniel Jones. Wait, but good before, luck before to we Daniel move Jones. on for the Giants, what do you guys think Daniel's going to do this week? So hot, hot take right here. I see vulnerable Bucks defense. I see 300 yards, but I see one touchdown only. I don't think he has any enough around him to get where he wants to be, but I think he'll have a great passing game just due to the lack of Bucks defense. I think that I think he'll go through a lot of yards. I think he'll have some nice passes. We'll see some flashes, but he'll have three fumbles. He'll have three turnovers. That's a that's a fact. I think he's he struggled to hold on to the football in practice. In Cowboys game he fumbled. In the Cowboys game he fumbled. In preseason he fumbled. In preseason he fumbled. Would not be surprised if we saw one, two, maybe even three fumbles. I also think that he'll be uh He'll have no help from his defense, so the Giants will get whipped. It will hurt his confidence. All right, so I'm not as dark as you, Danny, but I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not as optimistic on Daniel. I think he'll throw for around anywhere from 200 to 250 yards. I don't know about his completion percentage, but I think he'll throw for around 250 yards, maybe a touchdown or two, and he'll probably have one turnover or two, either from fumble or from pick. But he's, he's actually looked very good at securing the ball in terms of interceptions. It's just fumbling's a real issue with him. So... I expect him to start off a little slow and like Kyler Murray in week one, just build his way up, make some adjustments over the course of the game, gain confidence, and then hopefully at the end he'll show some flashes of greatness. Yeah, so Giants losing that one 28-14 to the Bills. Now, the Jets. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act all disappointed and act surprised as if I had any expectations whatsoever. The Jets were heavy underdogs due to injuries to the whole team and lack of talent whatsoever. We're coming off a brutal loss to the Bills, 17-16, with C.J. Mosley until the end, um, with Sam Donald, not 100%, and with Quinn Williams also getting hurt midway. But still, we did have a pretty much full team for most of that game and absolutely collapsed. So we come in playing a hungry Browns team, and it happens exactly the way we thought it would. I'm going to start off with... The defense. Browns started off. Baker Mayfield went down the field as expected, but uh, the Jets got a very nice stop um, in the red zone and held the Browns to the field goal. Greg Williams all night. He wasn't blitzing too much. He wasn't, you know, throwing Adams in there for no reason. He was really, really smart, careful, and he 
really called a brilliant game. Baker looked lost at times. He had to look to a second, third read. I thought that the defense actually held their ground. And yes, the 89-yard touchdown, but really outside of that, they really had a very solid game all around. The biggest headline for the defense was Tremaine Johnson. It's about time someone stood up to this guy. <laughs> he, he absolutely is trash. I don't care. He could be making a billion dollars. Stephen A. would say he's a bona fide scrub. He's a scrub. He's an actual scrub. And we, you see his contract. You're paying you him his like name, and you say like, okay, there's probably he's probably injured. He's probably something. No, the man has no skill. At the end of the day, he's got no skill. They put in. They traded for Nate Harrison, Joe Douglas. Excellent trade once again for Nate Harrison from Indianapolis, and he played a solid game. He had the excellent play on David Njoku, which unfortunately caused him to go into concussion protocol. But Nate Harrison was right there with a tight end at times. He was right there. And he was really, really there with Odell. Like, Odell had that one-handed catch. But even on that play, Harrison was all over him. And by the way, speaking on that and what you said before, if you look at the stat sheet, this game looks a lot worse than it actually is. You know, And I'm, this is coming from a Giants fan. This game is a lot closer than the stat sheet says. Like you, look at, you look at Baker's stat line of 350-plus yards. You look at the actual final score of 23-3. to it, was a, it wasn't a competitive game, but it was closer than it looks. Because that 89-yard touchdown is what brought it up to really 23. The entire game, the Browns yeah, offense also, really wasn't getting anything together. And the, uh, the Jets' defense actually did look okay. Yeah, so from a defensive perspective... We really did not get killed. We really played all over. Brian Poole was all over the place. Neville Hewitt for the second week in a row was all over the place. But I am concerned Brian about Cashman. Jamal Adams, though. We'll yeah. talk about that in a second. We'll talk about that in a second. I want to get to Brian Cashman, tackle for loss. Four tackles on the day. He actually was, I felt, you felt his presence. But again, we're playing Bronson Kafuski And, you know, a throwback. He had a sack. Injuries. He had a sack. But, you know, when Fatuski and Kafuski and, and Basham and Phillips are in the game, yes, there are injuries, but these players are just invisible. I thought Steve McLendon was getting involved for, for an old man. He was, really, he was really keeping, you know, he had a tackle where, you know, um, Chubb was getting down the field and there was McLendon right there with him. So the defense, what, despite the injuries, was pretty much all over the place keeping Baker Mayfield in check. Jamal Adams. Okay, Elon. Yeah, so Jamal Adams, he, if you look at his Twitter bio, you see he took off Jets player from his Twitter bio. He apparently unfollowed the Jets in multiple social media platforms. Which is now a big deal. All the, you know, in 2019, Jamal Adams' <laughs> Instagram is like the whole thing. It, it is very sketchy. It's not so sketchy because he went on double. Yes, it's a, he's a frustrated. He's allowed to be frustrated. He you don't you know, know he was playing. Team. Yes, but he was playing his heart out. He was he was he was clearly the only one on the on that field at the end of the game that was really really trying. Except for Le'Veon, who we'll get to later. I thought that he had a couple very nice plays. He had that one very very bad penalty, right, which was similar to the Henry Anderson penalty from the game before. He ran forward and no one was even moving on that. Yeah. Play. So he was, that was a really, really frustrating uh, penalty. Um, but he was all over the field, like he usually is. He was playing hard. And he, had, he went off sides, which was horrendous to watch. He, w- he had two back-to-back penalties. Adam Gates took him out of the game. A minute left for down 20, but he was clearly frustrated. And that was also, the media asked him about Tremaine Johnson. He said, don't talk to me about that. Talk to me about my brother Tremaine. So I think that was also something to do with that. But he cleared that up on WFAN today. 
And by, by the way, just talking about media and what you mentioned before about the uh, Instagram, obviously it's a little hypocritical because I'm fueling the fire by actually talking about it right now. But because um, that's that's what I guess the media wants for just people to talk about it. But it's besides the point. The um, I, if I'm a if I'm, I'm a Giants fan, but if I'm a Jets fan, I, I don't think it's that big of a concern. Look, Jamal Adams is it's the, not. It's he's not. a leader of that defense. He's a leader of that team. He brings a, a tenacity and a fire to that defense, and he he clearly likes but, the locker room, and he's clearly a leader. Obviously, it's a little sketchy, and you might want to be a little concerned. The the media, Le'Veon Bell changed his uh, bio to green three days before he signed with the Jets. Everyone thought it was confirmed. The media takes social media and like dissects it. Right, so I'm not yeah, saying, but I'm not he's, saying he's supposed to be a leader of the team, and he, you don't unfollow your team on social media. <laughs> How is that proving that he's not a leader? Uh, that he's not a leader because he unfollowed. That's the whole point. That's what he said. The, I don't care about the media blows noise. up about this, and they and, and his whoa, whole whoa, all his teammates whoa. are watching the, him unfollow the team on the Instagram. Teammates, his and they teammates, see, his on. teammates see Guys, what he's doing in the locker room. They see down. what he well, who he is. They're not gonna. If they act, if any player on the Jets sees Jamal Adams unfollowing the Jets and then like even like pays attention for five seconds to that, that's just disrespectful. They clearly don't know him. You if you know Jamal Adams, you know he's a leader through thick and thin. You know he's gonna be there for the Jets. And he cleared it up. He said, I don't care about the outside noise. Yes, he created the outside noise, but he doesn't care about it. He's here to win. He thinks this team is special. He believes in this team. I don't want to hear so, uh, anything. I view closer to Danny on this issue. I think look he's he is a team leader. He brings a fire to the defense. Over the past two seasons we've seen with him try, attempting to I don't know if he actually recruited Le'Veon Bell, but on social media, he outcried to Le'Veon Bell. He's a fun young kid, and yes, it's a little sketchy. I'm not necessarily saying I agree with the fact that he removed the Jets from the bio. I don't think it's necessarily a big deal. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm not really nervous about Jamal Adams becoming like a Jalen Ramsey type. He hasn't been that in the past. I would still be high on Jamal Adams, even though he didn't necessarily play the best game and because of this bio thing. This is a defense without Mosley, without... Avery. You know... Avery Williams and Jordan Jenkins Without, got Jordan Jenkins got her, of course, because you know God realized, oh, Jordan Jenkins is good. Let's hurt him. <laughs> you know, for Jamal Adams to still like play with so much energy, and to, even though we're losing by twenty and our whole team's hurt, you see it in his game that he's you know he's here to play. He's not you know he does stuff outside, but he's really not messing around. Odell on Odell's eighty-nine yard touchdown, just to clear that up. That was like an error of communication. Hewitt was supposed to be there. Greg Williams clarified that after the game. These, the defense, you know, just to round it out, I thought they played just a, a good game. So just enough about the defense. I think we should try getting into the a little bit more interesting topic, the offense of the Jets. What do you guys have to say about the quarterback situation? Okay, so the offense. I'll get to – let me start – actually, let me start with Simeon. He, you know – when he was in Denver, you look at his stats, he's not god-awful. He has 30 touchdowns, 24 picks, he has a winning record. But, but he's not good. You watch him play, he just stinks. <laughs> he stinks because he doesn't throw the ball over five yards, one. Two, when he does, it's not you know not accurate. And, yes, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't fumble the ball, he doesn't throw picks. But he is just the most mediocre player of all time. He is the, he is the definition of mediocre. He's got no upside and no low side. The Jets were not moving the ball. The Jets were doing nothing for him. And listen, I'm not – he's a human being. I'm not – I don't wish him to get hurt. I, obviously, I was upset. You, you're sad to see it. But if he happened to win a, the lottery and retire, if he happened to retire, 
in that moment, you know, he something happened and he left the game, it wouldn't be the worst. It wasn't, wouldn't not the worst thing yeah. in the world ever. Yeah. So he goes three for six for three yards, and Miles Garrett's all over him the whole game. Miles Garrett the actually gets Miles Garrett gets an actual unnecessary reference penalty, roughing the passer on Trevor Simeon before the injury, and then he comes back, Miles Garrett for more and completely destroys Simeon's leg. He's probably out for the season, and Luke comes in. By the way, that, that was a gruesome injury, and obviously we feel for Yeah, we do. Trevor Simeon. Miles Garrett. Now, I'll get to the offensive line because I'm going to finish with that because I can't, you know, I just don't want my blood, pr- pleasure, blood <laughs> pressure to explode. Sorry, I'm just getting really, really angry. Miles Garrett was our best player. Someone tweeted, get Miles Garrett out of the game. And I was like, please don't. He's got us 30 yards. He's our best player. Trevor Simeon had negative 12 passing yards at the time. Miles Garrett had 30 yards. Miles Garrett was our best quarterback. So I didn't, I, he was literally the most offensive production we were getting. And by the way, speaking of uh, players on offense not producing, besides the quarterback situation, obviously, the receiving core is very, uh, I'm scared, the receiving core is very bad. Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas got hurt from the plane ride. So when they suited him up and said he was starting, I was like a little bit confused. Then he gets a catch for zero yards. And then one yard. Then he gets a catch for uh, negative I, one I yard. And then he's out for the, the game. I think Levion's the best receiver on the team. He right? is. He's the best. He's our wide receiver one. He's our running back one. And at times, twice, he was our quarterback. Right. So Levion yeah. didn't necessarily have the best game. And statistically, but he, he had didn't 11 receptions. He, he still Levion Bill. Even though he had that bad fumble, he still had 10 receptions. He's still a huge offensive weapon that can be a cushion for any quarterback. So hopefully the Jets can use Le'Veon Bell as a cornerstone in the future. They just need to go out and get a receiver for Darnold. Yeah, so Adam Gase actually said once Darnold was diagnosed with mono, he actually said that in Pittsburgh, Le'Veon went through similar circumstances with Ben Roethlisberger getting injured and having to deal with a backup quarterback. And he thought that Le'Veon was very essential to this transition to a backup quarterback. And now we're at the double backup and quarterback. Let's actually get to that backup quarterback. What is your thoughts on Luke Falk and his performance, Danny? Luke. Luke. You hear you hear the crowd. The man. You know, Simeon, it was a gruesome injury. We feel for the him. Legend. But when Luke came in, the energy was changed. It was. <laughs> Luke drives down the field with ease, makes the simple passes, doesn't, you know, looks comfortable. Again, he was picked up the day before. That means two days before, he wasn't on an, not on an NFL roster. Two days later... Monday Night Football, he's in the spotlight. I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he looked poised. 20 of 25, 198 yards. And again, you look at you know, what resulted in his two drives that ended up in zero points. You got to go with, it was fourth and two. In a normal game, in the first half, that's a field goal, right? That, no one's forcing you to go for a fourth and two. When you're down 16 to three and nothing's going right, you got to go for it. Yeah, so Luke Falk drives him down the field many times. He has a lot of chemistry with Robbie Anderson. And not only does he bring them to that fourth and two in um, Brown's territory, but he also brought them to Brown's tor- territory again when Le'Veon Bell had that fumble yeah. in the red zone. But so that's two times Le'Veon in the red Bell zone. Le'Veon Bell showing some emotion, but he gave it his all. Like, it's crazy to see a just skill player do anything ever. But especially down, you know, the amount we were down for him to, he was doing hurdles. He did a, he, early in the game, he did a nice spin move. At the end of the game, he was breaking tackles. He had that six-yard run through midfield that was amazing. Le'Veon Bell is a fighter. And, you know, I tweeted after the game, I said, you got to feel for Le'Veon, giving in his all, and resulting into absolutely nothing because the Jets are terrible. So, Le'Veon did play great, but I don't, I don't want to be that guy. But 
I you're, think but you're going to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy. I, I think you guys are being a little bit too hyped over Luke Falk, Danny. I mean, look, you said he wasn't on the team two days before the game. There's a reason for that. Luke Falk, a lot of look, he, he had successful drives. I'm going to give him that. A lot of his plays were dump-offs. Were I'm, not, I'm not sitting here. I'm not catch. sitting here saying I know. Luke Falk is the future. Trey Darnold, because we've got Luke Falk. No one's ever said that, and I'm not saying that no, now. I know. I'm just saying. Next game, don't expect Luke Falk to go 20 for 25 with 198 yards in around a quarter and a half. I, I don't understand that. Think he's the but best you feel, you know, and I'm saying in that perspective game and that like. You see the, the energy change when he came into the game, and he looked poised. Right, Again, we are walking into New England to play week. Antonio Brown, Tom Brady, Jamie Collins, and, the, and the, this Patriots D that put up 40 points in fantasy. Luke Falk, I would not be surprised if he went out there through seven picks, six yards, one for 100, and broke every leg, and we played Jameis and Crowder so as our back. From a realistic point of view, you think Jets over under 10 points next week? Over. Over? I'm going to say over what would your because of Le'Veon be? Bell. I'm going to say 10. I'm not going to make predictions because, you know, I am a very positive person for some reason when it comes to the Jets, even though, whoo, it's really, really tough. Been through but a lot. Le'Veon is, you know, he's incredible. He's probably the most skilled Jet of all time. <laughs> if you look at it, he is. And Ty Montgomery, right? You guys probably don't know who Ty Montgomery is because he hasn't been playing, but he should be in the offense it was working in preseason. It was working during training camp. Gates changed it up. Adam, lose, you're losing the Jets fans, Gates. You're losing us. Please stick to the game plan. Do what works. Don't, you know, try to mix things up because it's clearly just not working. Yeah, it's so Jets got New England next week. I think what's really going to be fun to watch is a Jets-Miami game. That will happen twice. That's going to be fun, the two I worst think, teams in the league. I think the Jets-Giants uh, game. the Giants-Dolphins is going to be horrendous. 100 to 100. Wait, what, what, week, is, what week is the Jets-Giants game, though? It's so, week 10. Week, week 10? So would Darnold be back for that? Yes, okay. Darnold. So we can very possibly have a Sam Darnold-Daniel Jones shootout in MetLife. He's targeting a uh, week we'll five see. return. We'll see. I think, you know, Sam Darnold's feeling better. He was quarantined, so we don't, you know, we don't want to get our expectations so high. But he looks like... From multiple reports that he'll be back yeah. versus too, Philly too many after girls the for bye. Sam Darnold. Yeah, no, those middle school girls got to stay away. Middle Sam Darnold Sam Darnold's is, not a pedophile. Uh, I'm saying he's 20 years old and he has mono. <laughs> There's something up, but we don't ask any questions. The O-line. The O-line was so, so bad. Like, I, I, I said... You know, Trevor Simeon, he is a human. We feel for him. The O-line didn't look like humans. They looked like <laughs> five corpses on the floor. Miles Garrett was unblocked. They, that means they saw Miles Garrett. They knew he was going to kill Luke Falk. And they said, here's Luke Falk. Would you like some sauce on the side? It was horrendous. Khalil, the same thing I said last week. Should have stayed home. Should have stayed home. Why are you wasting our time? We were all happy. We gave you a call. You should have said no, right? Uh, the office is on Netflix. I'm staying home. Ryan Khalil, please go home. Nobody wants you here. Osemele looking tough, but at times he, no one know, knew where he was. Brian Winters was okay. Uh, Shell also okay, but oh my God. Kelvin Beecham, three sacks, four penalties. Please, the Jets have been so bad in the past that you, meaning, you don't see how bad Kelvin Beecham is because Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing. 
because Josh McCown is playing. And he had uh, Josh McCown, our leader, please come back, we need you. But I'm saying they got away with it. Kelvin Beecham should not be alive. So one last thing before we move on from the Jets. I know you were very high on what their record would be before the season. Right now, with Donald out and with the current injuries they have and what you've seen through two games, what would you predict their end-of-the-season record to be, Danny? Yeah, so horrendous first couple games, but I think that they are a strong team with Donald and Mosley, and I think that everyone will be healthy. And I'm going to go with the 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight that I said in the beginning of the year. I know it's crazy. Yeah. I know it's crazy. I, I go 3-13. I go yeah, 13. we got Dallas. We have New England twice. We've got Philly. We've got a hard schedule. we got the Giants. But we also have the Giants, the Dolphins twice. we got the Bills another time, obviously. We know what happened last week. But we got the Bills another time. We have the Raiders. We've got teams that – the Redskins. We have teams that are – these are bad teams. Again, I don't know if we're a good team either. We're not. But these are winnable games. I think that we could go 7-9, 8-8. That's all i got to say about the Jets. Luke, baby, next week. Wish us luck. Everyone have us in their prayers. May the force the be Jets with you. lose 23-3 in an absolute blowout. All right. Last segment that we're going to do throughout the year, like we did last week, around the NFL. We're going to speed around through the games. Jacob and Elon are going to pretty much break down each game. Thursday night, Tampa Bay beating Carolina 20-14. to Jacob? Well, um, first of all, we have to be concerned for Cam. They just came out that he has a foot injury. Cam hasn't, hasn't necessarily played so well. I am very concerned for the Panthers' offense as a whole. Uh, McCaffrey didn't have the best game, but I'm not really concerned about that. And also, Jameis did not look so good. Chris Godwin played well, but Jameis was consistently missing wide-open throws, consistently missing uh, Mike Evans. Another bright spot, actually, DJ Moore for the Panthers. DJ Moore does look very good. Curtis Samuel talks the entire offseason about him being better. So uh, there is positivity about the receivers, but the quarterback play for both teams was awful, and overall their defenses were okay. Sunday, start off, Baltimore 23, Arizona 17, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so coming off a huge win against Miami, beating them by 49-59-10, we were expecting another blowout against the Cardinals, but it's relatively a close game. Lamar Jackson played amazing again. He had 272 yards, two touchdowns, and ran for 120 yards. And Kyler Murray also put up a very solid game, led his, led his team back, and put up a competition against the Baltimore defense. All right, so I just want to say also, same, basically the same thing as you. I'm very impressed with what I've seen from Kyler Murray so far. I was very skeptical through the entire first half of the Lions game. He has looked a lot better ever since Cliff Kingsbury simplified that offense towards the end of that game. San Francisco 41, led by Jimmy Garoppolo, Cincinnati Bengals 17. Yeah, so Jimmy G, of course, had a great game. Three touchdowns, 300 yards. Spreading the ball around to Debo, Goodwin, Kittle. And the run game was also great. Detroit 13, Chargers 10. So Austin Eckler coming off a monster game last week. We were saying Melvin who last week. And now we're asking for Melvin back. Austin Eckler fumbles at the one-yard line, and they lost by three. They could have had a touchdown and won that game easily, but the Chargers offense looked to struggle. Green Bay, 21, they're 2-0, Minnesota Vikings, 16. Yeah, so Kirk Cousins, awful performance, throwing two picks. Offense not progressing Waste at all. the money. Except for that Dalvin run game, putting up 154 yards in touchdown. Yes, Jets are lucky they did not sign Kirk Cousins. He's not a winner. What a bust. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, I'm actually Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay, the hype should be growing for Green Bay. People don't realize, um, two years ago before Rodgers went out, they were 4-0. Uh, last year, Rodgers got hurt, but they had an outstanding comeback win against the Bears. So 
Green Bay, in a few weeks, we might be saying is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Uh, Devontae Adams obviously had a great game. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones steamrolled that Vikings defense. Aaron Rodgers didn't necessarily look super crazy, but he had a good enough game. He's probably going to get better as the season goes on. So Packers offense, and we have to talk about the Packers defense, looks greatly improved. They got great additions over the offseason. Amos especially looks great. So Packers offense and defense looks to be a lot better. On the Minnesota side of the ball, I still think they'll be a playoff team by the end of the year. I think they're, they're one and one right now. Dalvin's a beast. Uh, I want to see Kirk Cousins throw more passes. Obviously, he didn't have the best game, but they shouldn't be running it as much as they should, especially with Dalvin not necessarily being the healthiest back at all times. All right. Houston Texans beating my new father, Gardner Minshew. My God, he is the greatest player of all time and the coolest man ever. Yeah, so, I want to be him. So Gardner Minshew, the mustache, makes his first start of his NFL career, and he actually puts up a close game against the Texans. They have Putting a good- up some mustache, mustache magic. Yeah, of course. And he oh, is that thir- what they call him now? Thir- 13 to 12 game. Really? Yeah, he stole some from Rodgers. Uh, 13 to 12 game. He played relatively well. He led a game winning drive at the end, but fell a little bit short. He had the touchdown to DJ Chark, but they did not complete the game. It ended up 13 to 12. Next, we have a real nail biter the Pages 43, the Dolphins 0. Dolphins actually played really, really well. Scoring 0 with their new franchise quarterback. Josh well, well they, they only gave up. 43 this time. Last week they gave up 59. But this is a New England offense with Antonio Brown added to the already existing amazing offense. And this is what we were expecting. This is Miami Dolphins. They're going to be the Miami Dolphins. This New England Patriots with Antonio Brown, best receiver in the league added. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick had 89 yards and three interceptions. Showing flashes of a young Ryan Fitzpatrick with 89 yards and three interceptions. Next, Seahawks 28, Steelers 26. Yeah, so big news here. Big, big Ben gets injured. Mason Rudolph comes back in. Big Ben's placed on the IR. It's bad news for Connor, for Juju, for the whole Pittsburgh. They, they're Owens, owners as well. Yeah, they're 0-2 right now. And now Ben is on the IR. doesn't look like a – looks like they're going to miss the playoffs again this year. Um, so, yeah, uh, on the Pittsburgh side of the ball, I know I talk about small sample sizes. I talked about it with Jimmy G. I talked about it with the Jets. But with Mason Rudolph – Ah, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Uh, sorry. Mason Rudolph, he looked very sharp out there. Completed 12 for 19 passes for 112 yards, two touchdowns to one interception. Obviously, he's not Big Ben. I don't know if the Steelers are making the playoffs, especially since they have him and they went 0-2. But there is room to be optimistic with the Steelers. Look, Juju is still a monster. Connor is hopefully going to get better. He's had some injury problems. So on the Steelers' side of the ball, they just traded for, fit, uh, for Fitzpatrick. So I think the Steelers, there are brighter days ahead. They clearly have confidence in Big Ben, and they think that they can win with Mason Rudolph. I don't know if that's true, but I don't think that they're going to be as bad as people think. On the Seahawks' side of the ball, their defense looks very good. Uh, they have a great pass rush. Jadavian Clowney looks great. So their defense looks good. Uh, Russell Wilson's a god. I love Russell Wilson. Uh, DK Metcalf is also looking very good. So uh, Seattle fans should be very excited for this season. The black Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, leads the Colts 19 19- to being the Tennessee Titans 17. Yeah, so Titans go from demolishing the hype Browns to losing to the Colts, the Andrew Luckless Colts, and Jacoby Brissett gets his first win. Respect, expecting a lot from him this season after Andrew Luck retires. Dallas 31, beating Washington 21. So, um, Dallas, I mean, look, Dallas looks great through the first two games. Obviously, they didn't play the hardest competition in the world, but the offense looks like it's clicking. Dak is having himself a field day whenever he's playing. He's playing for a contract. Uh, Zeke, Amari, and Dak seem to have excellent chemistry. And then on the Washington side of the ball, I mean, there's really, 
I, what's his name looks uh, Case Keenum looks better than I expected him to look honestly so Case Keenum that's room for optimism but this really isn't a good team they don't really have a line they don't have a defense when is Haskins going to come in that's a good question Case Keenum has been playing well I don't really we see wanna, much room for we want to give a shout out to our boy Joe from Cowboys Nation on and a 2-0 start next we got KC 28 Oakland 10 Kansas City scoring all their points in the second quarter yeah, so Kansas City first quarter looked like Raiders putting up a show. Raiders were up ten nothing at a point. They were beating the Chiefs. Chiefs didn't look that great, but then Chiefs Mahomes is being Mahomes throws four touchdowns in the first half, three hundred yards again on track to break the NFL record. Hits two touchdowns to Marcus Robinson, one to McCall Hardman, both deep shots. Great offensive game for Mahomes. Looks to break some records this year. Chicago sixteen, Denver fourteen. All right, so... Um, the field goal situation has been answered for Chicago. Eddie Panera. Okay, so um, first of all, I know Chicago won, but if I'm a Chicago fan, I'm still very scared because they really haven't looked that good through the first two games. Trubisky looks like he took a step back when he should be taking a step not forward possible, this year. Not possible, not possible. Trubisky doesn't he look like a young Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would be optimistic about Allen Robinson, though. He looks to be having a bounce back year. He played very well in week one. He only went four for 40 in week two, but he still looks like he's playing well. Hopefully they get David Montgomery more involved over the course of the entire season. Denver has outperformed what I thought they would be, but they're still not necessarily good. So, Chicago fans, I would be a little bit scared right now if I were you. Next, before we get to Sunday night, we have Saints getting demolished after Drew Brees goes down, losing 27-9 to the Rams. Yeah, so this was supposed to be the game of the week, and obviously sad news that Drew Brees goes down, has a lot of problems with his hand, and we thought that Taysom Hill would be the backup because... They were raving about Taysom Hill the whole offseason, he's the future. But instead, they put Teddy Bridgewater in. He didn't look awful, but he's not going to be Drew Brees. Michael Thomas gets a downgrade. The whole team gets a downgrade. Last but not least, actually giving us a decent game compared to last year, Atlanta beating the Eagles 24-20. to Yeah, so decent. That was a great game, in my opinion. I had a lot of fun, not even defensively. There was flashes offensively that were also fun. It was just an all-around excellent game, in my opinion. I had a lot of fun watching it. So, on the Atlanta side of the ball, obviously Matt Ryan, Julio, and also Calvin Ridley has emerged as a very good wide receiver for this team. I think this receiving core is honestly the best in the NFL. Sanu, Ridley, and Julio are just an excellent trio. I think that Calvin Ridley can legit be a 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown guy this year. There is room to be cautious. The running game did not necessarily look great for the Falcons, but when the passing game is playing well, it's okay. Uh, Devonta Freeman struggled heavily. Ido Smith seems to be playing well, so we'll see how that works out over the course of the year. On the Eagles' side of the ball, this looked like it could be a breakout game for Miles Sanders. He did not play his best game, but it looks like they still love him. They're hopefully going to play him next week when he can break out. He's playing a very bad run defense. Uh, on the passing side of the ball, Wentz made some phenomenal plays, but that receiving corpse is obviously very diminished. Wentz. Jets fans got to see Josh McCown, our savior. <laughs> Their savior. He played by the way, he played great in the few plays he was in. Yeah. But uh, look, uh, Carson Wentz flashed. Uh, he wasn't necessarily the most consistent. The receiving core is bad. I mean, bad right now after injuries, but they still have Zach Ertz. So there are better days to come for Philadelphia fans. Don't worry. And that's pretty much all we got for around the league. Uh, exciting games. And then there's the Giants game and Jets game. And that's pretty much all we got for the NFL. Round two, the ending, we, uh, we ended with two awful games of the Jets and Giants. Then we had around the NFL, we got Jacob Berry on the show. He'll be on the show much more. A fun time. 
And that's pretty much it from us. Be ready for next week, round three. Danny Dimes coming in, Luke Falk coming in, the two future quarterbacks for New York. And it's going to be exciting to watch. We'd like to thank Aaron for producing. Aaron in the back. And, of course, New York Sports Nation, Josh Lyles, Ricky Wegrin for, you know, helping us out, giving us this opportunity. we got to thank them every time because without them, there is nothing. And that's pretty much it. Who's at Donald's right? Donald flushed out. Williams giving chase. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Anderson. Incredible play by Donald. And here come the Jets. Game of seven. Beckham's eighth reception. Now Barkley up the middle, cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield, down the sideline. Stainer bounds, and Barkley takes it all the way. 68 yards for his first NFL touchdown. It's up to you.